The Passover is a 3,500-year-old event in which God's chosen people, the Hebrews, miraculously escaped slavery from the hands of the Egyptians. After 430 years of bondage, God brought the Hebrews a deliverer named Moses. This broken man, who tended sheep in a field, was called by God to come out of the wilderness and command the most powerful leader in the world to set the Hebrew slaves free. After much conflict and 10 plagues, Pharaoh would reluctantly let God's people leave Egypt. What finally broke Pharaoh? The 10th plague. The 10th plague is also known as the plague of the firstborn. It was God's judgment for all the households of Egypt. His spirit would cross the land and kill the firstborn of every house. God called all the Hebrews to get a lamb and sacrifice it. Then they were told to take the blood of that lamb and spread it on their doorframe so God's wrath would pass over their home and their firstborn would be spared. After the Lord passed through Egypt and killed the firstborn of every household without blood on the door, Pharaoh let the Hebrew slaves go. The Hebrews had to leave quickly, so they took with them unleavened bread because there was not time to let the bread rise with yeast. This is the story of how God's people escaped slavery 3,500 years ago. 1,500 years later, there was a Jewish rabbi, the son of a carpenter and an unlikely hero from an unlikely place. For over 30 years, he would quietly but faithfully live and learn until God would call him out of the wilderness to set another group of people free. His showdown wouldn't be against a pharaoh, but the devil himself. When it came time for a lamb, it wasn't taken from a field, but voluntarily stepped down from heaven. That lamb's name is Jesus. On the night before he was killed, a meal commenced where he proclaimed to be the new lamb to not just save the Hebrew people, but the world. Over that meal, he broke bread with his followers and stated, take, eat, this is my body, then he would share his cup of wine and say, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Today we are all still slaves. We are all still in bondage. But we are not in bondage to any earthly master. Rather, we are slaves to sin itself, and no lamb eating grass in a field can save us. We need the blood of a different lamb covering the door of our lives. We need the Lamb from heaven. We need Jesus. Amen, amen. It's so good to be with you guys today. Glad that you're here. It is, believe it or not, it is five weeks until Easter Sunday. And we are rushing. Doesn't it feel like it's spring this week? It's so good to see some of you back for the first time. I know it's, every Sunday, it's like I see some people. It's like, oh, I remember them. It's been a year for some of us, but I'm so glad that you're back with us, and if you're still watching us online, because that's the best and safe place for you, God bless you. Uh, we are excited about Easter, and we're excited about this series, Passover, that's going to get us from here into the whole meaning of Easter, and, uh, and that brings us to this door. This door is going to be a visual for us now for these next five Sundays to take us into the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. This door um, is the door of a Hebrew family uh, in northern uh, uh, Egypt in a place called Goshen. It's not the actual door, I don't think. I think that's just a replication. But uh, this door is symbolic of the people of God who were in slavery. And you remember the word, when we started this uh, last uh, uh, September, we started saying Exodus means the way out. And here's the question for us as we consider the next five Sundays. How are we getting out of here? 
Because behind here is slavery, and in front of here is freedom in Jesus Christ. How is God going to get us out of slavery? What well, has to do with this door in an annual celebration called Passover? But before we get to the door door that's in Exodus chapter 12, if you're wondering where we're going to be today, I want to talk about your 21st century doors. But literally, there are hundreds of doors in our lives. And they may not seem important to you because you take them for granted, but every, in this church, in this, if you're gathered here with us today, there are thousands of doors here. We have front doors, we have glass doors and office doors and double doors and half doors in the nursery with doors up in the balcony. There's garage-type doors backstage here. There, you know, there's all kinds of wooden doors and metal doors. We have literally thousands of doors. By the way, if you're wondering, I don't have the key to many of them. They don't trust me. They don't trust me. But if, if you're watching uh, at, at home online today, obviously you can just look around probably wherever you're seated and you can, you can identify some doors. Maybe it's the front door of your living room. Maybe it's a side door or a bedroom door or a closet door. We literally have doors surrounding us all the time, but I want us to shift from the literal doors in our life and let them be a visual for the spiritual doors in our lives. Because the truth is, is that for many of us here today, this door represents the same thing it represented for those people uh, 3,500 years ago. We can't get out. Can't get out of some painful situation. We can't seem to get out of a 2020 pandemic and all the collateral damage that it caused. We can't get out of a bad relationship. We can't get past a broken marriage or a broken family. We can't get out of some sin that's in our life. We can't get out of some past that we're running from. I don't know if I've identified anything in your life. Maybe you just want to get out of town and get out of winter. I don't know. But there's a spiritual sense that what's going on here in this Passover story is that God's trying to get us more than out of Egypt. Out of Egypt is a picture of what he's really trying to get us out of in all of our lives. Now, for some of you, if you're visiting here for the very first time, or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that this door is not just an outdoor, it's also an indoor Jesus says in the scripture that he, this is, by the way, not the sermon, but it could be, it could be, Jesus says, I'm the door to the sheep. If you don't have a place, if you don't belong, if you don't think you like, your life matters, then you can come to Jesus Christ today, and he will let you into his family, and he will show you what life is all about. Amen? All right. So um, today, um, I want you to think in terms of what door are you behind? And what do you need to get out of as we come to this story from Exodus chapter 12? By the way, as I was thinking this this week and, and talking with the guys that are in our sermon planning and, and our, we get together weekly and kind of talk through the text, I'm like, I think this, this text we're going to look at the next five weeks, if somebody said, I can only read one Old Testament passage to understand Jesus, I think I'd go to Exodus 12. All right, so let's read this together. Exodus chapter 12. Verse 1, I hope you have your Bibles, guys. We believe in opening our Bibles every week here at Eastview and preaching the word of the Lord. Here is the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household's too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each of you can eat, and you shall make account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. 
when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Now, just across the page for most of you, scroll down to verse 21. I just want to get this set in our minds. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, families, and kill the Passover lamb. Let's pray. God, would you come now? It's so wild that uh, a holiday celebration in a different culture in a faraway land that has to do with lamb could mean so much to us. But in fact, it's everything. And I pray today, Lord, as we consider and move into and move out of this COVID reality and move back into some normalcy as we rush headlong into celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you would help us to get it, why it's so important. And today you help me preach the word. Lift up your word, Jesus. Lift up the Bible, the written word that's all about him. And that by your spirit, you just move in every heart. God, every heart that's watching, every heart that's here, would you change us today? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we just read, Passover takes place in the context of household. This door represents a house, represents a family, represents a clan, some of our translations say. And, uh, and so today, I just want to talk about what is happening in each of these households. What is, what is Passover about for every one of these households? And I just want to begin with this first point. If you're following along in the notes at home and you're taking notes, I'm glad for that. A new beginning for every household. That's what this Passover is all about. We're starting over. Oh, I, want you, I want to draw your attention to verse 1. See verse 1 again. Where did God tell Abraham or Aaron and Moses to do this? They were in the land of Egypt. What were they in Egypt? They're still slaves. This is, not a, this is not a holiday, a celebration that came out of, hey, we've already been there and done that. We're still in slavery. We're still locked behind these doors of slavery. Every household, thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of households. And as a symbol, here's what God's going to do. God says, you know what? Let's just change the calendar. I want, to give, I want to give you guys an illustration. I know that you guys think it's like October 17th, but no, this is January 1st now. This month that you come out is going to be an annual reminder. Every time you come to your new year, by the way, uh, the, in the scripture it's called Abib, and uh, later it became the name Nisan is the month that Jewish people still follow. But God literally says, I'm going to give you a sign that I'm changing everything. You're no longer on the Egyptian calendar. You know, most of the ancient cultures, their, their new year began after harvest. It makes sense, right? You do all the hard work, you bring all the food in and all the harvest in, and then we have a party and we celebrate a new cycle, a new beginning. But Jesus said, or God said to the, the, uh, Aaron and Moses, you're not going to be Egyptian anymore. I'm getting you out of that and everything that has to do with that. I'm going to start something new in your life. And so he changes what would have been probably the harvest season of October, November as the new year, and he makes it April, May. If that sounds familiar, that's because we celebrate every April, uh, March, April, May, we celebrate Easter. And it has to do with this changing of the calendar that God did for these people. See, he's going to set them free. And so he wants to say to them in a tangible way, out with the old and in with the new. I'm going to do something new in your life. And guys, freedom begins here with Passover starting over. 
Many of you here today and some of you watching online, you just need to start over. You need to do over. You need to begin again. And what a great opportunity because the Lord has graciously wiped away everything in our lives. This is the best time ever to start over, to think of yourself behind this door and go, what's new? What is God going to do in my life? And Jesus is the one that brings this new stuff into our life. If you need a new beginning today, I want you to change your calendars. It's not February 28, 2021. It's the first day of God's redeeming, miraculous work in your life. Are you ready? Do you want to get out from where you're at? Do you want to move on from what's going on in your reality? This door represents some sort of bondage. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's something that's painful. Somebody's done something to you or you've done to someone else. Maybe it's your spiritual walk. Maybe you're just lost. Guys, Jesus wants a new beginning for us today. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray that this series will, that we kick off today will be your chance to get out of sin because that's why God came. I want to go back to this dwelling on this, this part of this. This is a new beginning for every household. Did you notice the community feel of this? The community stuff that's going on? We see the word congregation and household twice, congregation, verse 3, and then uh, household, your father's house. And then the verse we read, verse 21, talks about your clans. It's just another word for your families. This is a very, very community kind of thing. When God establishes something, guys, you pay attention to this, God always does something in all the people. He always does it all together. If you think you can follow God by yourself, you're wrong. There, there's more than one person behind this door. We need a community. We need family. We need the congregation. So the family's designed to be the place of spiritual nurture and growth, and that's just the natural way it was in the Bible times. By the way, one of the reasons that we do what we do here with our Next Generation Ministries, our Eastview Kids Ministry, our Junior High Ministry, our Senior High Ministry, uh, we do want to spend time inspiring and hanging out and praying with the kids, but the very first line of youth ministry for us is you. We spend more time training and, and equipping and hanging out with parents. Hey, y'all, when I was raising kids, they didn't have a class on how to talk about sex to your kids. You just had an awkward conversation with your boys. It was weird because they heard something on the bus. Hey, we love you so much. We're trying to help you raise your children in a home because that's the very best place, the clan, the family mentioned in 21. And this Passover celebration is going to be this eternal celebration that happens every year where the father and the mom lead in worship of God because of this visual. But it's also something the congregation does. It's so important that we gather together as the household of God. It's also something that's done in smaller groups. You notice that they're sharing a lamb here at one point because they know their next door neighbors. Literally, the neighbor means the next door. And so, you know what? Our lamb's too big. You got this big of a family. Let's get together. Let's celebrate this together. Guys, everything in the scripture, when God works in the scripture, he usually is trying to do it in community. Now, so far, you're just sitting there going, wow, that's an incredibly awesome sermon. I'm so inspired. I know, I know. <laughs> it's not because of me. It's because of the word of God, okay? I, I can't miss with this word. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to do something tangible. I want to literally bring this sermon home for all of us for the next five weeks. And, uh, and I want to I give us a way that we can tangibly experience every day for the next five weeks the Passover. Because you can't take this door home, but you have doors at home. 
And here's what God does in the scripture. God often establishes physical experiences like Passover to help his people understand and express spiritual truths. If you're writing it, write, it, write this down. It, God often establishes physical experiences like Passover to help his people understand and express spiritual truths. So here's what I ask you all to do today. And I, and I know you're sitting there right now going, Pastor, I'm not going to do it. Please. I want you to go home today. If you're home, you can do this already. And I want you to designate a door in your house that's going to be your family's Passover door for the next five weeks. You're like, oh, I don't know. That seems weird. It is weird, but do it anyway. All right? I get it. Maybe you're single. Maybe you have roommates. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you have a traditional family, a blended family. I don't know what is going on with your family, what, the door that you live in. But would you find a place, a closet door, a bedroom door, some place in your house, and designate that. Kids, make your parents do it. Let's do it together as a family, and let's designate a door in our house as the Passover door. Uh, again, some of you are still going, oh, Pastor, that's totally lame. I don't want to have a Passover door in my house. Well, just, just please, just get past what you don't want to do. And just ask that maybe God would do something special in your family or in your location or in the people that you live with in their lives. Because what I'm asking you to do this week is for you to, to, to designate the door and maybe go to this door every week and pray together with your family. Maybe thank God for your family. Maybe thank God for the household that he's, he's given to you. Or maybe pray that God moves in your family. Gather with your roommates. Gather by yourself. The door itself is not holy or spiritual, but what God is going to do at this door is amazing and miraculous. And I think if we prepare ourselves in a tangible way, God will do something really awesome. God is getting ready to do something next. He's getting ready to do something new in your family, in your life. Find a door in your house and let that represent the beginning place for next in your life. Now, for extra credit, not with me, but with God. Just kidding. There's no extra credit with God. You don't have any credit with God. None of us do, right? Uh, but for extra credit, take a photo with you, your family, or whoever you live with, and post it on our social media at hashtag Eastview Church, all right? Just do that because we just love to see how many families and how many doors have been designated for this Passover season. So you got the door. Now, there's another thing we need for Passover to work. Um, we need a lamb for every household. We, we have to have, no, I'm not going to make you guys go out and buy lambs. I mean, unless you live on a farm, then you could really, you know, you could take this to a crazy level. But anyway, every household for Passover, you need a household, you need a door, identify who we are, what we're trapped in, what we went out of, and then you need a lamb. Every household. This is what, this is what uh, it says here in the scriptures. Uh, every household um, shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for every household. If the household's too small for a lamb, he and his nearest neighbor. You know, we read this earlier in Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. But this is called the Passover lamb. This is the Passover lamb. This, this is the first time in the Bible Moses identifies it. Hey, go and get your Passover lambs and, uh, and kill them. We'll get to that in just a moment. Passover, by the way, this is the, this is the Hebrew word right there. Okay, remember Hebrew is read from right to left, right? That's the Hebrew word Pesach. Pesach literally means immunity. It means exemption. It means a free pass. I get out. It's your, it's your get out of jail free card. 
okay? And, uh, but the root of it literally just means to skip over or to pass over. And so that's where the word comes from. It's not just some weird word that God made up, and we see this this thing uh, play out in the next several weeks. We'll understand why it was named Passover. Okay, so like like you're sitting there going, okay, I can kind of see it. I've seen lambs before. I know what lambs look like. I've seen pictures. But um, if you're a city boy like me, wouldn't it be fun if we just had a real lamb that that we could see today? It could bring this Bible story to life. Hey, would you guys, uh, thankfully, um, one of our longtime members, uh, yeah, Mark Lawyer, his wife Jen, they raise, I don't even know how to say, uh, lambs, apparently. But he's here today with a lamb. Come on down here, Mark, watch your step here. Guys, I knew, like fireworks, like everything else that's cool, oohs and ahs, right? This is a real live lamb. Mark, welcome to the stage. Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. How old is this lamb? I forgot to turn the microphone on. Please, if you want to. Uh, he is exactly two weeks old. Two, two weeks, weeks old. old. And how much does he weigh right now? A lot with my arm, but no, it's about... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's about eight or nine pounds. Eight or nine pounds. Uh, and so one. we're talking about a year-old lamb. Yes. How, how big will, will the lamb be at one year? Well, this is a ram lamb, so he'll probably be getting 140, okay, 150 pounds. See, you, oh, 140? 150 pounds. Wow. Okay, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Uh, you said a ram lamb. What, did, what in the world are you talking about? I don't get rams, ewes, goats, sheep. I mean, in the Bible here, it says that you can choose a lamb from the sheep or the goats. Explain that to me. Well, for sheep and goats, right. um, uh, the biggest difference most people can tell between sheep and goats are uh, sheep have wool. One's a sheep and yeah, one's a goat. One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and um, and uh, goats mostly are hair. Hair, okay. Now there's internal differences, but okay. uh, that's what people see on the exterior. But they can both be lambs. But, but they're both, yeah. They're very, when they're born. Um, yeah. When they're born with sheep, you refer to them, you refer to them kids, as kids. right. <laughs> Don't steal jokes. all my funny oh, sorry, jokes, yeah. dude. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're, they're basically, they're very related, so that's how they refer to them both as lambs in the, in the Bible. I love it. I wish you guys could all uh, touch this lamb. It's so soft. And by the way, don't do that again. By the way, <laughs> if you guys were here at Christmas Eve about 12 years ago, I had about 300 kids up here in a Christmas Eve service and Mark was out here with another lamb. And uh, I said, hey, can they touch him? He's like, yeah. And there's like, <laughs> we lost Mark for two weeks. <laughs> And uh, the, the service went on, but uh, I'm so glad that you came back out here today sure. with us. I appreciate this. So this lamb is going to be 100, 140, 150 pounds. Yeah. I and, mean, he can get bigger, but that's, yeah. that's slaughter that's, age. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, which is what I was getting to. I was getting ready to say, okay, this is, this is, you guys are going so well with what I wrote down in my sermon. This is fantastic. Oh, you're going to kill this lamb. Okay, so I got a question before we get to the killing part. I'm trying to be very sensitive. I know, me too. I didn't wear a sweater today because I didn't want him to feel like, well, that's weird. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Uncle Joe smells like you. No, I'm uh, Sad, sad. Uh, bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could be here all day, guys. And we got an animal on stage. Okay, so um, uh, do, here's the question I had. When, I, when we were talking this week about them gathering this lamb on the 10th day of the month and then killing it on the 14th day of the month, we're like, what about those little Jewish children that were behind this door and, it's, you know, the lamb is kind of like a pet. Is, does this one have a name? Uh, no, doesn't you, have you a don't name. name. You don't name Majority animals. Majority of the ones on the farm out. don't. don't. Okay, yeah, all right. Names. So do your kids ever get, I mean, your kids are older now, but did they used to get like, oh. Uh, 
Yeah, there, there's a few, and, okay. and, and but there's some that stay on the farm for okay. years because they have more lambs. Okay. So yeah. So let's just get to this insensitive question now. How many people can a 140-pound lamb feed? Well, it, it would feed a very large family. Okay. Um, I, I mean, you're talking maybe generational family. Okay. So, so. like. Grandmas and grandpas yeah. and cousins, cousins and, and that kind of stuff. Isn't it amazing how God provides? Because remember, back in the day, they're bigger families, and they, you know, they they eat together, they do life together, and a lamb would grow up to be a year old, and uh, and then they would kill the lamb. So um, this lamb is is destined for. No, we don't know. We, we, should, don't we know. do a lot of show lambs, so hey, he could be. You might be at a sweater, the not a lamb chop. Yeah, it's fantastic to, to be a show lamb or or. Uh, well, listen, it, we, I, I knew, um, thank you to Nikki Green who, who set this up for the, the pre-interview thing on the online campus, but thank you, Mark, for coming out sure. here because uh, this just kind of brings to light. Look at this lamb's face, guys. This is the Passover lamb that we're talking about here in Exodus 12. You know, they say never to bring children or animals on stage, but this went pretty well. All right, we'll see what happens at 11. God bless you, man. Let's give a warm applause. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Wow, that is incredible. It's amazing to see in real life what we're talking about. This story comes to life for us. And uh, that brings us to the question, why do we need a lamb? Why do we need a lamb? We alluded to it a little bit, but I think there are three reasons, practically are three quick reasons that we need a lamb for Passover. And the first one we've talked about a little bit, it's just practical. Passover is a celebration meal. And... Um, for this meal, for this annual celebration, like we do turkey for Thanksgiving, we do ham maybe for Christmas or for Easter. Um, traditionally, God said, here's what's going to happen. Every year, you guys are going to have lamb. It's going to be the main course of the Passover meal. This means that moms and grandmas, like at Easter, as Easter's coming up and we're starting to decide, are we celebrating this year? Mask, no mask, how many people are coming? And we're starting to decide, how much do we need to get so everybody can eat? God's very practical. I love that about him. He says in verse 4 and 5, he says, listen, maybe your family's smaller and the lamb's too big. So get with your neighbors. You can share them. You can, you can have this celebration together. The rule is basically no leftovers. God wants Passover to be a holiday, to remember his deliverance for their, from their bondage. And uh, so this holiday has a main course, lamb. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks, what they actually ate and what that looked like. By the way, 1,500 years later, this is why I would, I would point anybody to this story if they want to learn about Jesus. 1,500 years later, Jesus is hanging out with his apostles in first century Jerusalem. And what happens? You know, we come to Mark chapter 14, verse 12. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, we know that that's day 14 of the first month of their year. The day when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare to eat the Passover? Can you imagine 1,500 years later, they're still celebrating, and it's a big deal. It's like, hey, Jesus, I know you're talking about your crucifixion and your imminent imprisonment and your and resurrection, all that stuff. We're not getting it. Are we going to have a party or not? Are we going to celebrate? Because it's Passover. Everybody's festive. Everybody's joyous. Let's just have some fun, Jesus. Where do you want us to prepare and eat the Passover? By the way, today, if you go to any Jewish family in Israel, they are still celebrating this Passover. Passover is one of their great holidays. They celebrate every year. You don't miss it. And if you just squint a little bit, 
you'll see 3,500 years after this Passover, you'll see in our communion time a meal that represents us eating together. So the lamb is very practical. If you're going to have lamb, if you're going to have meat on the table, if you're going to have uh, feed all the relatives, then you have to have a lamb. It's very practical. It's also symbolic. There's, there's a symbolism behind this lamb. The lamb has to be without blemish. It's got to be perfect. Um, it, some people think it means it has to be like, like you just saw, a completely white woolly lamb with no impurities in the coloration of the, uh, of the um, what is it on a wet lamb? Wool. Thank you. Thank you, wife. Hey, wool, did you graduate from third grade? Maybe. But in verse 5, it gives us three simple requirements for this, this lamb. It's got to be a male. It's got to be a year old. It's got to be without blemish. Why is it that it has to be without blemish? Well, there's two reasons here, I think, that are scriptural for us. I just want to touch on really quickly. Why, why does this lamb have to be perfect? Well, it symbol, symbolizes two things. Number one, it's a gift to God, and we always bring to God our very best. You Bible scholars in here, you know the very first time that a lamb was offered as an offering in the Bible? Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, Abel. He brought to the Lord some of, his, some of the lambs of his uh, of his flock, and the Bible says in Genesis 4-4 that he brought the firstborn of his flock, so the first and the best, and the fat portions, and that indicates that he brought very, very, his very best before the Lord. In fact, a lot of scholars believe that he bought, brought his best, and Cain didn't bring his best, and that's why God blessed his offering. So it's very important. By the way, in the Old Testament, the end of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, or Malachi, however you want to pronounce it, Malachi chapter 1, God was mad at the people, the leaders, the priests. Why was he mad? Because they were bringing bad sacrifices. Listen to what he says. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those who are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? God is saying, I'm not going to accept anything but perfect. I want it to be spotless, blameless. And that leads to the other symbol of, of uh, symbolism of the lamb, and that's the perfection this is a lamb that's going to be substituted. And I want you to hear this because it takes a perfect substitute to take the place of imperfect people. If it's just another imperfection, that sacrifice doesn't mean anything because it's like imperfect for imperfect. That would mean that you and I could die for one another. But it's got to be perfect. And the reason that it's got to be perfect is because it pointed to Jesus and his perfection. If you're writing scriptures down, go look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 later. And Peter describes it this way, knowing that you and I were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The reason the lamb has to be without spot or blemish is because it's a symbol of Jesus Christ. Peter says you were ransomed, you were brought out of slavery into freedom, out of the doors you were behind. And it was because of a blemish, uh, spotless and blemish-free lamb, which brings us to the spiritual. The spiritual symbolism here is that you're going to kill the lamb. And, um, and that's ultimately the reason that we celebrate Passover. Now, it seems harsh, right? Just raise your hand if you think it's harsh. Raise your hand at home if you think it's harsh. It's harsh that this sweet little lady, you see this cute little face up here? 
You guys didn't even get a close-up. Oh, so innocent, so sweet, so never did anything to anybody, so doesn't know what's coming, right? Now, if you think that that seems harsh, well, it is. It is. Let's just, let's just say that together. You might be an animal lover, animal hater, somewhere in between. It doesn't matter. It's harsh to take a nice little sweet lamb that didn't do anything to anybody except maybe poop on a few things and to kill that lamb, to make a point. Why would God have us do something like that? Why would God have us kill the lamb? Here's why. Because the Passover celebration is about God atoning for sin, and sin is worse than we thought. If it makes you sad to see a lamb and consider that it might be killed for your sin, you should see how sad God is when he looks at our sin. It's way worse than we think. It's way more egregious than we ever could have imagined. Do you remember why that something has to die to make up for the sin? It goes all the way back to the garden. You remember the story in the garden? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God told Adam and Eve, he set them up in the paradise of his, of his creation. He gave them everything they needed. He protected them and provided for them. He said, listen, I just got one rule, just one rule. Just that, that, that tree, don't eat of it. Why did he tell them to not eat of it? Because the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, it's not because God just likes making rules. I mean, if God was a rule-making God, he could have come up with way more than one rule. <laughs> just one rule. Don't eat of that tree. The day you eat of it, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. Well, here's what we can say about God. He didn't lie. Because they ate of it, and death came into the world. And then death, uh, by, by association and our humanity and our flesh, you and I have become a part of that sinning and therefore that dying. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. You're watching. If you're here, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Too bad. You're the all. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Makes people cry. And the Bible tells us also in, Ro in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. We got an issue here, people. We are all sinners. And just like God said, when you sin, you die. How in the world are we going to get past our sin and not have to deal with our own death? Well, here's what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You just need to understand this. Because God said, if you sin, you die. Now something has to die so that sin can go away. And that's where the lamb comes in. By the way, it's really easy to miss this at Passover. It's really easy to miss this at Passover. The Egyptians and the Israelites are in the same boat. Did you know that? The Israelites are the people of God. They're descended by Ab from Abraham. They're in covenant with God. God's made promises that he's going to fulfill in them and through them for the salvation of all nations. But as we're going to see next week, these guys needed covered by the blood of the lamb just as much as the Egyptians. We like to look at this story and go, the Egyptians take that uh, into the story. Good guy wins. That's not the way it is. The people behind these doors 3,500 years ago and the people behind these doors in the 21st century, me and you, we need forgiveness, and we need a sacrifice just like everybody else. But God's not overreacting. He understands the price of our sin. 
And so maybe you don't think your sin's that big of a deal. Maybe you think sin in general is not that big of a deal, but to God it is. And so what's God going to do? He's either going to kill everybody. You know, we've lived in an era of talking about justice. Well, justice is really simple with God. If you just wanted to be fair, just kill everybody and just be done because we all deserve it. But, but God thought of a different plan. In fact, John the Baptist understood why Passover was established. He's the first one in Scripture. John the Baptist, you remember, came and preached the good news and repentance, the kingdom of God. The next day, it says, he was standing on the shore of Galilee. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you were a Jewish person to celebrate a Passover every year, you probably go, wait, what? He's the Passover lamb. You certainly wouldn't ask any questions about, what do you mean by Passover lamb? What's that mean? You've been celebrating this for 1,500 years, and you know what's going to happen. Passover lamb has to die so that you can be free. And that's the sermon today. That's why I want to lead you back to the door at your house, the door of your heart, the door, spiritually speaking, where you maybe are trapped in a bad marriage or with friendships that are broken or finances that are broken or hopes and dreams and struggles that you just can't get past. What door are you behind today? Would you designate one at home? And would you go there and talk to God about it today? The door is a picture of the way out. And it's going to cost a lot. Not for us, but for the Lamb. Amen.